0: Welcome to the One God Report podcast. We are continuing our discussion with Troy Salinger, author of the Let the Truth Come Out blog, on the pre-incarnate appearances of the Son of God in the Old Testament, truth or myth. We've been going through some of these supposed pre-incarnate appearances of the Son of God, and today we discuss a important one, Genesis chapters 18 and 19, when Abraham is visited by three messengers. I have friends that believe that it's just obvious that this is Jesus somehow appearing before he was a man to Abraham. But let's take a closer look and let's see if that's really the case. At the end of the interview, I'll make a few additional comments on just who these messengers that visited Abraham were. May have been. Can we take one uh, more example yes, of a yes. pre-incarnate uh, appearance?
1: Sure. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 18. We'll look at Abraham's three visitors. Oh, yeah. This is a, a big one. This goes, again, you know, way back to Justin Martyr, who claimed that one of the three personages was indeed the Son of God. And now most Trinitarians are going to believe that today. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's take a look at that. See what it says. And
0: um, you know, Troy, as you look it up, that can't be overemphasized. There's nobody in the New Testament that goes to this passage and says, "Hey, that's Jesus pre-incarnate right. appearing." It's only in the later century that that idea starts to creep in.
1: Right, and and you know, if one were to look at why Justin came up with that. Which we don't have time to get into. Okay, so let's read uh, Genesis 18, verses 1 and 2. And it says, And Yahweh appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And he looked up, and behold, three men were standing by him. All right, so here we have an explicit statement that Yahweh appeared to Abraham. Mm -hmm. Well, That settles it, right? I mean, Yahweh appeared to Abraham. So at least one of the three must have been Yahweh himself. Mm. Okay, so obviously Trinitarians won't accept the fact that it was the father because he can't be seen, so it had to be Yahweh the son. This is, uh, again, it's based on presuppositions, okay? They start out with the belief that there is a second hypostasis in Yahweh, that can even appear so that's a presupposition and then again based on the fact that God can't be seen this has to be the son okay so that's their presupposition okay so when the text says that Yahweh appeared to Abraham does this have to be understood in a literal sense mm. i say no and I'll explain why the Hebrew word there for appear is ra'ah is that how you say that mm-hmm. sure. Okay. And the basic meaning of it is to see. In the nephal stem, it has the meaning of to appear. Mm -hmm. So while this word does usually denote literal seeing, it doesn't always have to have that meaning. And I'll, I'll give you some examples. Let's go to Genesis 28, verses 11 through 16. This is when uh, Jacob had his dream. Genesis 28, starting in verse 11, it says, When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood Yahweh. And he said, I am Yahweh, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And then he goes on to to confirm the promise about giving him the land. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he has this dream and he sees Yahweh. Later in Genesis 35, verse 1, Jacob is told To go back to that place, to Bethel, where it says, where God appeared to you. And it's the same word, -ah. Mm Ra'ah. So that verse is telling us that God appeared to Jacob. But when you go read the story, he appeared to Jacob in a dream. Mm -hmm. In verse 7 of Genesis 35, it says that God had revealed himself to him. Referring back to that incident with the dream. So we're told that God appeared to him and God revealed himself in a dream to Jacob. Once again in Genesis 48:3, when Jacob's relating the incident to Joseph, he says, God Almighty appeared to me. Okay, and, he, mm-hmm. and he's referring back to that dream. And again, it's the word ra. So twice we're told that God appeared to Jacob. But the question is: did Jacob literally see? god with his physical eyes? I would say no he, he did not. The text tells us that he was asleep. When you're asleep you're not seeing anything with your physical eyes and the text tells us plainly it was a dream. So what he saw in this dream it says he looked up and he saw a stairway going into heaven and up at the top stood Yahweh. So he saw some kind of representative image within this dream, some image that represented Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're not told, but most likely it was, he was in the form of a man. He saw a man standing up there,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but he knew instinctively in the dream that that was Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Was it literally Yahweh? No, it's just an image. It's an image in a dream. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, we can see this, I mean, many times, we don't have time to go through, but there are so many passages where people have dreams, they see images in the dreams, those images are not real, they're not something that's really happening, that if someone else were to be walking past at that moment, they would see this thing. No, because it's not a physical vision, uh, it's not a physical object that is there to be seen, right? It's just a dream, it's an image being cast on the mind of the person who is having the dream or the, or the vision. Mm -hmm. So we see the word Ra appear that God appeared to Jacob being used in a non literal sense that God Mm -hmm. appeared, but he appeared in a non literal sense. He appeared by means of a representative image of himself within a dream Mm Another example is in 1 Kings 3 verse 5 where we read at Gibeon Yahweh appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. Again, the word appear there is ra. There's no description in the text of what form God appeared in. I assume it's in the form of a man again. We read in verse 15 of that same chapter it says then Solomon awoke and behold it was a dream. Now, no matter how real it may have seemed to Solomon, when he was having the dream, he wakes up out of the dream and he's like, oh, it was a dream. So did he literally see Yahweh? No. His physical eyes did not gaze upon Yahweh. We are told in the New Testament, no one has ever seen God. Hmm. I think we need to take that seriously. So when we have these appearances of God in the Old Testament, We have to interpret them to keep consistent with what we know in explicit statements that no one has ever seen God. Paul even says, or can see God. Mm. So if that's true, then no one literally saw God. Okay. Although it says Yahweh appeared to this person and to that person. Most of the time it's in a dream or a vision. It's not literal. No one is literally seeing God with their physical eyes. They are seeing a representative image of God. Mm -hmm. This is much like when, say, Daniel having a dream and he sees four beasts. Right. And these four beasts, they're not literal beasts. He's not literally seeing a beast with his physical eyes. And the beasts are not even meant to be literal in the dream. They represent something. Right. We find out they represent kingdoms. So the beasts are just representative images for something else. So in these dreams, people see presumably a human figure, but this human figure is just a representative image of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. They're not literally seeing Yahweh. Now, I'm not saying that nothing is being seen. Surely they're, they're seeing something, but they're not seeing something literally with their physical eyes. But there is a, a case where the word ra'ah in Yahweh appearing to somebody, where it is being seen with the physical eyes. But it still is not a literal scene. And this is in Deuteronomy 31, verse 15, where we read this. Then Yahweh appeared, -ah, Mm Ra'ah, at the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood above the entrance to the tent. So again, we see the word Ra'ah, is referring to an appearance of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. But it is a non-literal appearance. Something is being seen physically with the physical eye. There is a pillar of cloud there. In this case, anybody walking by at that moment would see the pillar of cloud because it is literally there. Mm -hmm. It's not like the dream or the vision where a person is having a vision, he's seeing all kinds of things in his vision. If someone were to be walking by this person while he's having the vision, they wouldn't see any of those things because they're in the mind of the person having a vision. But in this case, there is something literally physically there. It is a pillar of cloud. But Yahweh appeared in a pillar of cloud. The word in there should be understood as by a pillar of cloud or by means of a pillar of cloud. This is a non-literal appearance, yet a physical appearance of Yahweh. When Moses is looking at that cloud, is he literally seeing Yahweh? Of course not. He's seeing a pillar of cloud. Yahweh is appearing to him by means of a pillar of cloud. This, again, keeps it consistent with the New Testament that no one has ever seen God or can see him. God can appear in various representative forms. A pillar of cloud is one form that God can appear and, re- and make himself known and reveal himself to people. But it is in a non-literal sense. So just as God can appear in a non-literal way by dreams, visions, a pillar of cloud, he can appear by means of his personal agents. Mm-hmm. In or by means of, personal agents, like angels. Yeah. So in the case of the three visitors that come to Abraham, it says that Yahweh appeared to Abraham. We do not need to assume from this that Yahweh literally was one of the three visitors. All we need to understand is that Yahweh is appearing in a non-literal sense by means of these three agents. That had come to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know what Abraham understood when he first saw the three visitors, mm-hmm. uh, how much he understood who, who they were, were they agents of Yahweh coming to give him the message. We're not told exactly when he understood that. We know yeah. at some point he did when they began to speak to him and tell him things. And one of the agents, Begins to speak in the first person as Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, we dealt with that in the previous passage. Yep, that's not a problem either.
0: I think you're exactly right. What's going on here is that when Abraham sees these three men coming, you're right. We don't know exactly when he recognizes that this is going to be a unique time for him where Yahweh YHWH is revealed to him. We're going to get the promise of his son Isaac here and the description of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham, I think he recognizes really quick that there's something unique here with these three visitors because he runs right away. Middle East men don't usually run. He runs up to them and he's going to receive them. I think he very quickly recognizes that Yahweh is going to make something known to him here. This is an appearance of Yahweh. In the circumstances, this is how Yahweh made himself known to Abraham. I'm going to suggest something different here, and there's no reason that this has to be. But let me just suggest that one, that one of these visitors is Melchizedek. And I think that Abraham recognized him because in the previous chapter, he's already met him. And with the visit of Melchizedek to Abraham in Mamre, further south of Jerusalem, the area of Hebron, that's one of the reasons that Abraham recognized this individual. And he's got a, a couple of other attendants with him. It's definitely that's a possibility. Uh, These are three men. And I think that's the reason that Abraham right away runs up to them. He may recognize that Melchizedek is the one who can speak as yod agent to him. It's a suggestion, right? Yeah, they could be three okay. angels, but they also could be three men, human beings. It's Definitely a possibility. As we've seen before, the agents, the messengers, the angels of God can be human beings. Prophet Haggai, the priests of Aaron, these are messengers of God. So it's just one suggestion I'd like to throw out here. I think people are usually too quick to think that these are divine beings. But no, indeed, Yahweh speaks through human agents.
1: So let's keep that In, in. In fact, I mean, the text, as you pointed out, explicitly says three men Mm -hmm. you know now trinitarians want to want to always take literally where one of these visitors speaks it says then yahweh said so they want to take that literally but then why don't you take the fact that it says three men literally yeah
0: these are messengers from yahweh so when one of them speaks it's yahweh speaking
1: yeah when whenever one of these uh visitors is the dominant one that communicates to Abraham. And it always says when he speaks, it says, Yahweh said. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem for our position. Of course not. We've we've already talked about that. Mm -hmm. The the speech of Yahweh's messenger, it can be attributed to Yahweh. But it's also instructive, if you look through the whole passage, all the way through the end, Abraham never once addresses this figure as Yahweh. Not one time. Never once does Abraham call him Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Only the author of the story, the one who's recording the story, is attributing the speech and actions of the agent to Yahweh, which is, again, we, we covered this last time. This is perfectly acceptable way to relate a story about one of God's agents, to just attribute the speech and the actions of the agent directly to Yahweh himself. And one other thing, Troy,
0: that we should probably comment on. And I think that the Trinitarian deity of Christ's world gets mixed up about this because they want to say that the angel that's left behind who's speaking with Abraham is Yudhe Vavhe. But then they also want to say there's a Yudhhe Vavhe down there, at Sodom and Gomorrah, because we see in Genesis 19:1 that the two messengers came to Sodom and Gomorrah, where the one was left behind. So Okay, like Justin Martyr, he thinks that the one left behind with Abraham talking to Abraham is the pre-incarnate Jesus. But then when Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed, there's a statement in Genesis 19:24. It says, Yahweh reigned on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from Yahweh out of heaven. And they'll say, Oh, see, here's more than one Yahweh. But I think they forgot that their other Yahweh that they wanted to claim was back there with Abraham, right? He never went down to Sodom and Gomorrah, according to Justin Martyr and even other Trinitarians that I've heard from. They forgot that the son, supposedly pre-incarnate, is back up there in Hebron. Then they make a big deal, say, oh, here's two Yahwehs. Yahweh rained fire and brimstone. It came from Yahweh out of heaven. Ah, two Yahwehs.
1: But come on, Well, no, I mean, this is very easily explained. The Yahweh in heaven is the father. The Yahweh talking to Abraham is the son. And the other Yahweh is the Holy Spirit.
2: Okay, yeah. (laughs) Except you
0: got another one. There's another one too. Another Malach there too, right? There were two angels that went down. Exactly. But the answer to the uh, statement here in Genesis 19, 24, that Yahweh rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire, It came from Yahweh out of heaven, that it's repeated. This is an emphasis. It came from Yahweh out of heaven. It's not just a natural phenomenon. The writer is emphasizing that this was done by Yahweh. It came from Yahweh. The repetition is for emphasis. Exactly. It dramatizes this conviction that what occurred here was not just a meaningless accident of nature but a purposeful event yep, the expression that's... of god yahweh's direct intervention in the affairs of man we already know yahweh's only one
1: yeah that's exactly the way i would take that passage exactly mm-hmm. yes.
0: so hey troy thanks a lot okay. Let, let's talk again about how the lord appears to people in the old testament you've written an article on the different ways in which the Lord appears to people in the Old Testament. And and that's going to kind of overlap with some of the things we talked about here now. And also, there's this big claim that there's a personified word back in the Old Testament, in the Aramaic, the memra, who is somehow as well another person. Somehow the Jews were thinking this was a second person in, in the time of Jesus. So let's plan on that for the next time, if that's okay. Yeah, sounds good. Troy, thanks again. Appreciate it much. Thank you, Bill. I would like to make a few more comments on the Genesis chapters eighteen and nineteen incident, where three men visited Abraham, and then two of the messengers went to Sodom. Genesis 18.1 begins by saying that Yudhevaveh, God, appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as Abraham sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. As Troy explained, usually God appeared to people in dreams or visions, but sometimes in real tangible ways, like a pillar of cloud. This time, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw three men in front of him. It is through this visit of the three men that Yudhevavhe appeared to Abraham. The best way to understand this appearance of Yud is to recognize that these three men are messengers of Yudhevavhe. In Genesis nineteen thirteen, the two messengers tell Lot explicitly that Yudhhevavhe sent them. Let me read Genesis nineteen thirteen. The messengers said, For we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before Yudhivavhey and Yudhe Vavhe has sent us to destroy it. So, Abraham did not literally see Yudhe Vavhe. We must believe what the Bible says that, quote, no man has ever seen God. In fact, no man can see God, the Bible says. Instead, Abraham literally saw three men. Who were Yudhe Vabhe's messengers? They were sent by Yudhe But Abraham understood that Yudhe Vavhe was represented by and even personally present in the ones Yudhe Vavhe sent. As soon as Abraham realized that these three men were messengers of Yudhe Vavhe, he knew these messengers spoke for Yudhe and that he could even address Yudhevavhe through the messengers by the time this incident in Genesis eighteen occurred, Abraham had already had at least five occasions where Yudhe had spoken to Abraham or had appeared to Abraham in a dream or a vision. in other words, Abraham was quite experienced in how Jodhevabve appeared and spoke. And now, after an amazing covenant ceremony in which circumcision was established as the sign of the covenant that's Genesis 17, the previous chapter Abraham recognized that this event was an appearance of Yudhevavhe through Yudhevavhe's agents. The text does not identify who the three men were, and knowing the exact identity of the three messengers. Is not essential to understand that the three were agents, representatives of Vavhe. But as I mentioned, I think a good possibility is that one of these men is Melchizedek. Here are four reasons why Melchizedek is a good candidate. First, Abraham knew that Melchizedek was priest to God Most High, who kohen la el Elyon. In Genesis fourteen eighteen, and that Melchizedek spoke for God Most High, he blessed Abraham for God Most High. Second, the Levitical priests were God's messengers, as is stated in Malachi two seven. It makes sense that as a priest, Melchizedek was also a messenger of Yudhebavhe, an angel or messenger. Third, when Melchizedek appeared in Genesis 14, previously in the Genesis narrative, Sodom was also involved. When Abraham returned from defeating a coalition of Babylonian kings, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva. And then here's Melchizedek also appearing. He brought out bread and wine and blessed Abraham. The king of Sodom was still present. He asked Abraham to give him back the people whom Abraham had retrieved, but said Abraham could keep the goods. Abraham told him he did not even want a shoelace of the stuff from Sodom. And then fourth, Melchizedek is king of righteousness. It makes sense that in his domain, as king and priest to God Most High, he would be the one to announce both god's promise to abraham of the timing of the birth of isaac but also of the destruction of the wickedness of sodom righteousness would prevail so again identifying the three men is not essential to understanding that these three persons be they angelic figures or humans were messengers agents of yhdhevave through whom Yudhevaveh appeared and spoke to Abraham, but I think there are reasons to understand that these visitors were, in fact, human messengers and not angels, and definitely not literally Yudhevave. Here are some reasons why: First, Abraham offers them water and for them to wash their feet and to rest under a shade tree and to give them a bit to eat. It makes no sense that Abraham thinks that these three men or one of them is literally God. Do angels or God need to drink, wash their feet, rest in a shade tree, and eat to be refreshed? No. Rather, Abraham understands that these men are representing Yudhe and that they have real physical needs. And that by receiving God's messengers, he is receiving God. As Jesus said, He who receives me receives him who sent me. By the way, it's over 15 miles of difficult terrain from Jerusalem, where Melchizedek lived, to Mamre, where Abraham was. If the messengers were Melchizedek and a couple of attendants, Abraham knew the distance they covered and would know that they needed rest and refreshment. Second, Abraham ends up preparing a full feast, and these messengers eat. The two messengers ate food again in Lot's house. God does not eat. Now the Jewish commentators debate if angels can eat. Some say these were angels, but they only pretended to be eating. Such speculation is completely unnecessary if these messengers were humans. That the messengers drink, wash, eat, and rest is in fact positive evidence that they were humans. To claim that one or more of these messengers is a divine being means this is not a pre incarnate appearance, but a literal incarnation. The messengers Are real human bodies that eat, can be washed, and rest. If these messengers are divine figures inhabiting human bodies, then we must ask and explain what happened to the bodies after the divine figures departed. Did these individuals die? Did they decompose on a hillside somewhere? Did this supposed incarnate Son of God already literally die before he was crucified by the Romans in the first century? Third, the messengers were seen by everyone in their presence, which does not seem typical in the biblical narrative. For instance, see Numbers 22, 22 22-31, and Acts 12, 6-11. When the two messengers went to Sodom, The men of Sodom saw them and wanted to commit sodomy with them. Also, besides the mouths with which to eat, the messengers had hands. They pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door, and they eventually took Lot and his family by their hands and led them away from the city. And then fourth, as mentioned above, the two men who went to Sodom told Lot explicitly that they were sent by Yudhevavhe to destroy sodom that's genesis nineteen thirteen their being sent eliminates the possibility that they are literally Yudhevavhe since they were sent by Yudhehe. however, note that immediately after the messengers told Lot that they were sent by Yudhevavhe to destroy Sodom. Lot went to his sons-in-law and told them that, quote, Yudhe Vavhe is about to destroy the city, unquote. This is because Lot knows that the words and deeds of an agent of one sent are to be directly attributed to the sender. For instance, Truman dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Lot knows Yudhe Vavhe is doing this. That Yudhe Vavhe is acting through his agents. So, to sum up the five episodes we've had with Troy Salinger on pre incarnate appearances of the Son of God in the Old Testament, truth or myth? The answer is myth. We looked at a number of the main Old Testament passages which are claimed to be a pre incarnate appearance of the Son of God. In each case, The pre-incarnate appearance claim is found wanting, indeed faulty. The New Testament never states that Jesus made pre-incarnate appearances, for instance as the angel of the Lord. Such claims only began in the 2nd century AD. In fact, the one time that the New Testament does comment on an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament the disciple stephen simply says it was an angel and says nothing about that angel being jesus see acts chapter 7 no one has ever seen god literally as troy explained in all the passages in the bible where Vave appears to people he is doing so in non-literal ways such as in dreams visions physical phenomenon and through designated agents. God's agents, angelic or human, represent and speak for God. When they speak, God is speaking. And the ones to whom the messenger appears, like Abraham in this case, they can appeal to and address God through God's messengers. Abraham did not consider the messengers to whom he offered food and refreshment to literally be God, but he knew that God could speak to him and that he could address God through God's messengers. To claim that the Son of God made pre-incarnate appearances in the Old Testament directly contradicts the New Testament, which says explicitly that God did not speak in past times through Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 2 states, quote, Long ago, and at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also made the ages. Unquote. The author of Hebrews says nothing about God speaking to the fathers through a pre-incarnate son. And note the agency in this passage. God used agents to speak in the Old Testament period. He spoke by means of the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken through his agent, a son, Jesus the Messiah. The author confirmed later in his letter that Jesus Christ has so far come only once, not multiple times. The writer assures us that, quote, Christ will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Hebrews 9.28 Christ's next appearance will be his second appearance, not his fifth, or sixth, or tenth, or twentieth. Thanks again to Troy Salinger for leading us through this study of the supposed pre-incarnate appearances of the Son of God in the Old Testament. For more information, see Troy's blog called Let the Truth Come Out. Just type pre-incarnate appearances in the search bar to see a list of his articles on this topic. (inaudible) Yishma'u anavim yismahu, The humble will hear and rejoice.